We're also Tim Allen impersonators. We're going to have a good time here, Luke. I hope you understand what you've signed up for. Mind Gap Podcast. Guys, welcome to MindGap. I'm Doug. I'm Justin. And ooh, what a great episode we have for you tonight because we're doing another Skype cast. Skype cast! So uh, we have a very uh, good friend of mine uh, coming all the way from the East Coast uh, via Skype. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Luke Anthony Pena! <laughs> Woo! Doug, I love you because you actually pronounced my name correctly. That's amazing. <laughs> you do, know how few people can do that? Do most people not? No, most people do not. Something about that character just sends them running for the hill. Do they call you a Pina? Uh, that's among the nicer things I get called. What, like, what's the most common thing you hear people call you by, by your last name? Um, well, the fun part, you know, it's not even the what people call me. It's actually when you get letters and it just says P-E and then it's just like oh. five Because <laughs> like the, program, the program can't read no, it. Perfect. It's like, oh, no. <laughs> Yeah, those are the favorite. P.E., apostrophe, question mark, hypersand. <laughs> Percentage. Yeah, I've seen those before. Like, Outlaw Excel or something tries to export it. It's like, mm, I don't know what this is. Nope. If people try to randomly spell it, like, if they've never seen it written or they're just you're like, hey, write my name down. Do they, d- is that when they, like, will throw, like, random characters in? Like, Q-U, <laughs> like, trying to, like, be like, how do I spell Pena? I think people just faint. They just <laughs> 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 I don't know what this means. I don't. Oh God. Well, I feel bad because like when I like if I'm ever meeting someone that has the the tilde. It's not a tilde. What's that called? What's yeah, it's that? a tilde. Is, is it a tilde? tilde. Yep. Well done. Oh, look at that. Look at that. I, I'm trying, guys. I'm trying to be multicultural here. Um, well, I, I always feel bad if I'm like too lazy to actually type it out that way. I'm like, nah. Luke knows what I'm talking about when I write his name. He knows that the tilde is implied. <laughs> <laughs> imply, I can feel the implied in the in the tilde. I feel it when you write it. Exactly. There's a lot of times I don't know how to actually get it above the end. So oh, I'll, I So I'll Google it. <laughs> me too. Copy and paste. So I'm like, ah, someone's already written it in for me. I'll just copy and paste. Yeah, the tilde it usually involves or the that, or it's uh, like uh, you have to hit Alt and then like zero two three three. Right, I do right. that for like a lot of the French accents. I learned that from taking French class. It's really obnoxious trying to do that all the yeah. time. Uh, yeah, I tried to do that the other day. We were talking about it and the ritual of Chud, and it actually has the two dots, which I don't... Is that the umlaut? It's umlaut. I was like, how do you do the two dots above the U? And I couldn't figure it out, so I'm like, whatever. He knows what I'm talking about. Luckily, if you on the iPhone, if you just hold down on yeah. the letter, it's like, do you mean these other weird things that aren't American? Yes. <laughs> yes, that's what I mean. Yes. Thank you, phone. So, uh, Mr. Pena, thank you so much for joining us here. This is a real honor. Wow, the honor's all mine. Thanks for having me. God, he's so polite. I know. He is just a man of charm and politeness. We're going to ruin him by the end of this. No. I'm afraid. He is going to stand true like a, a white knight, like the the, the, the one we need. He, he's the guest this podcast needs. Exactly. Well, not the one. <laughs> not the one it deserves. Not the one it deserves. Did I say that wrong? I don't know. I can never get it right, but... <laughs> it deserves someone who does poop jokes all the time. 
<laughs> but it needs someone but like Luke But it needs Luke someone Pena. like Luke to elevate it, you know. <laughs> Rising tide raises all ships, right? Some some stuff, something like that. Yeah, cream rises to the top. Yeah. I'm gonna cream all over this. Rolling stone gathers no moss. Yeah. <laughs> Kate Moss. Wait, am I the cream or the moss? <laughs> You're both. You're the rolling stone. You're the creamy moss. <laughs> all right. Take it. <laughs> So, Luke, you and I have known each other since freshman year of high school. That's pretty awesome. Yeah, that was, what, 60 years ago now? Yeah, it seems like it. I can't do math. I don't know. I would say about six years. Yeah, it's sure, yeah. sure. Whatever how it is. We, how did we pass high school if we failed math? That makes no sense. Oh, uh, well. Who needs math, right, Justin? I can tell you how you passed high school <laughs> while you failed math. <laughs> You're looking at the guy who did it. <laughs> so, um, I, uh, Luke and I met our freshman year of high school. Uh, we started playing football. Uh, right out of the gate, which was very interesting. And well, uh, let's 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 be correct. Doug had already played football. Oh. I had started football. Ah, so seventh that- and eighth grade. Who really gives a shit? I mean, really. I mean, what really had I accomplished at that point in time? I mean, <laughs> Doug played football. I pretended to. I ran around in pads and touched that oblong ball. I don't know if it's called playing football. Anyway, the oblong ball. <laughs> you talk about sports the same way I talk about sports. I like you. <laughs> But one of my uh, one of my fondest memories is one of the I, it's one of the <laughs> one of the first times we talked was uh, we were, I think we were in the locker room and you said both naked both naked just soapy. Just, we were just sweaty you know and washing dirty, each other's hair you know all that sort of stuff and, and Luke just turns to me and goes you know um, you look really unintelligent when you leave your mouth open <laughs> like that and I go I immediately closed my mouth and I was like oh man. <laughs> okay that's amazing and i love that i love that because what an opening line it was so true like i remember years later being at a place and seeing a guy just sitting there like with his mouth open and i'm like wow he does look just kind of <laughs> luke had it right he he was looking out for me he was like look is it gonna sound harsh up front but you're gonna thank me years down yeah. the road i was like he's right i should shut my mouth <laughs> I think we've established that I was a jerk even 20 years ago. No, you weren't a jerk. You were helping me out. And that's how I view it. Luke was just like, this guy needs help. And I'm going to be the guy to do it. Hey, dude. And and the reason I love Doug is because he interprets my jerkish things as as wise and sage counsels. Hey, that many years later, I'm still looking at it going, thank you. That's awesome. Thank you for for helping me be a better person. (laughs) That's fantastic. Because it was incredible. I was a a real rude guy in high school. Wow. Okay. No. No. You were tr- you were telling people the truth. You know what, Luke? The truth hurts. You know. <laughs> Sometimes the truth is hard to hear. Look, the truth hurts. Love hurts. It all hurts. Yeah, man. So the new guy moves into town to pick t- takes up a sport he can't even play, and then tells the guy who plays the sport, "Hey, you look dumb." <laughs> you With my, pro- because my mouth was hanging open. You're like, you I should write a book on how to make friends. <laughs> <laughs> you should look. You were a life coach at that point in time. You didn't realize it. <laughs> hey, mouth breather. Hey. Shut your mouth. Hey, you mouth breathing dummy. Shut up. Shut, Shut up. your face. Okay. Better. <laughs> well, I feel so much better. Thank you, Luke. <laughs> now let's go. Buy me cigarettes. We're going to be friends. <laughs> uh, but I also, another great memory, which I've told, I've told the story countless times. Um, and it, this was always my favorite. Our senior year in uh, AP English, uh, we were reading the book, A Brave New World by some guy's name I can't think of off the top of my head. Uh, but We failed in English and math. <laughs> we failed in memory recollection. But we were having a debate about uh, clones. 
and whether or not cloning was moral or whether it was right. I remember there was someone in our class who said, um, uh, well, I don't think cloning would happen because uh, God doesn't think it's right. And I was like, interesting. And Luke, this class was like first thing in the morning, and Luke didn't do mornings very well. And Luke would usually come in sometimes late, and he would just sit in the back of the room and just put his head down and like just deal with the day. He popped his head up and goes, uh, what does God think about abortion? And the girl goes, he doesn't like it. He goes, do we still do them? She goes, yeah. He goes, okay. Put his head back down. I was like, boom! Boom! I mean, Drop the mic! I mean, goddamn, man. Drop the mic! I don't know how well I'm coming across in these stories. No! <laughs> I, I think you're coming across wonderfully. <laughs> because, again, you're able to intelligently be like, well, that doesn't make sense, and here's why. And you weren't, and you weren't doing it in a malicious way. I mean, we were all fine afterwards, but I, in my mind, I was like, oh, I was like, what to be your hype man? I was like, shit. Legitimately pointing out a very logical flaw in her argument. Yeah. yeah. It was like, and, and again, that's what was so great about that moment, too, because we were 17, 18-year-old people, and we were thinking such simple terms. Right. And Luke was like, mm, that one doesn't work. And this is while the man's half asleep, too. <laughs> like, imagine, imagine if Luke was, like, on coffee imagine and ready to go. full capacity, Luke. Oh, not half asleep, all the way asleep, but, <laughs> but napping is- <laughs> Napping is not permitted when this level of stupidity is. is. <laughs> to be fair, also at the time you were also wrestling, and that may have been the time where you were cutting an incredible amount of weight, and so you probably yes. were like, "I have no energy to keep my head up." A newsflash: cutting weight is not good for your demeanor and mood, <laughs> <laughs> especially when listening to dumb arguments. Yeah, Luke, you were like what two hundred and fifty pound, fifteen pounds when you're senior. Just coming out of football. Uh, I lost 45 pounds to wrestle. Yeah. Yeah. He ah, cut damn. from 215 down to 171. In how, when what, what time span are we talking? In three days. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> You're a beast. It, it felt like it in one month. Yeah. 45 pounds in a month. So Holy balls, dude. So tell, tell uh, Justin a little bit about what, what that was like. What, like, I remember you talked about kind of like what you ate or should I say what you didn't eat. And what your treat was at the end of the day, if you remember what that was. That's right. I can't believe you remember that. Um, so cutting weight, I would I would not eat breakfast. Um, I would have lunch, and it would be a delicious medley of lettuce and tomatoes. <laughs> Wonderful. As many, I, as many lettuce and tomatoes as I could fit in that little bowl. <laughs> uh, and then, you know, that would be it. And I'd go to wrestling practice, and I'd make sure to wear as many pairs of sweats as I possibly could. Uh, <laughs> And sometimes I would not even have the energy to finish practice. Nope. Uh, and you know, since since we're telling fun stories about each other, oh boy. Uh, Doug <laughs> was a was a was somewhere between ten and fifteen pounds underweight, uh, and so got to eat steak and you know cake and. No, very uh, I did. This is where it started for you. Yep. And it just, you realize you're not wrestling anymore, right? Uh, you tell that to my mind and my body because my dad was like, we got to fatten you up. I feel like we found the source of it, man. Oh, yeah. I could have pinpointed it easily to that point. <laughs> and, and, and let's just say, and I actually, I actually appreciate this. Doug took no mercy in practice on people who are cutting weight. Uh, you know, yeah. If you want to talk about being an asshole, I was an asshole. <laughs> No, you, there's no excuses in life, nor were there excuses in wrestling practice. You didn't come to wrestle, wrestling practice and wrestle with Doug and lollygag. No, you had to bring your A game. So <laughs> Doug was well, making everyone a better wrestler. Well, the way doing. I looked at it, too, was like I remember yelling at you to try harder, but I didn't really have the empathic 
response to realize that you're like, I don't have the energy. <laughs> like, I have no caloric intake. I can't. That was just you getting. I wasn't, you know, you know I was going to leave the yelling out of it, but, you know, maybe no. there were a few. You know, we got to be honest. Like, I didn't. That was my issue. I was like, what the fuck, Luke? Come on. And he's like, I can't even respond. Yes. I don't have the energy. He just stared at you going. I thought it's I told a- you to shut your mouth. Mouth breather. It, it- <laughs> hey, look a lot smarter with your mouth shut. You dummy. <laughs> I'm getting a good gauge on how this relationship has gone. <laughs> no, but yeah, I remember I that. I remember you just being absolutely exhausted. So I would finish wrestling practice I, w- I would go home i would i would recover uh, from the beating that doug just put on me uh, and and then i would put on the sweats again and i would run uh, and it was snowing it was you know north missouri and we had snow it was winter it was wrestling season and i would run until i actually fell down um, and after laying on the ground um, with no more energy in my legs for about 10 minutes i would get up and i would walk home uh, where the bathroom had already been turned into a sauna with the heat all the way up and the water, the hot water running, and I would sit in there until I stopped sweating. I You're an sweat. insane person. Oh, so unhealthy. <laughs> wow. And then when the sweat was all gone, I would. It was probably bedtime, and so I'd go into my room um, and I would sleep with the windows open because my body would work harder to burn heat while it was ten degrees in the room. Oh my so, god, dude. Uh, but I did allow myself when I followed the routine properly one teaspoon of ice cream. As a reward, that was a sweet treat for my heart. And, oh, and I and I took ten minutes to eat that teaspoon, just little tiny bit. And we're talking—we're not talking a tablespoon here. We're a saying teaspoon. a teaspoon of ice cream. Oh no, a tablespoon would have broken. Broken. The <laughs> oh my god, <laughs> I am—I am speechless at this right now. That is insane. And so when you and so that's context for when I'm sleeping in first period and then and then lifting yeah. my head with all the energy I have. <laughs> Chewing classmates out for being morons. <laughs> Amazing. So your your uh, your weight loss book comes out this month, <laughs> right? The fact the fact that I am alive is probably a miracle. <laughs> I, I, you know, I knew it was bad when my mother said your voice is actually weak. Like you no longer have the energy to speak with the same strength that you did. So um, yeah, that to this day I think about that and I'm like. And not only that, but you went down to arguably you cut to the hardest weight class in the state. Like easily, your weight class was the most difficult uh, because uh, of they 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 meddled the top six. Four of those people, including Luke, came out of our district. So it goes districts, sectionals, and then state. Luke had to wrestle. Not that, but how many of those people were in our conference? Like uh, there were. Um Gosh, they were. I think they were all in the conference. I think they were all in our conference. So Luke not only had to wrestle these guys for our conference, then he had to wrestle them in districts and in sectionals and in state. And Luke still placed in state. Well, the, I mean, I would have loved to have wrestled at two fifteen. Only we had this real prick uh, wrestling two fifteen on the team named Doug Cochran. Uh, uh, <laughs> so you couldn't have just hung out at the fucking weight you were at, Doug. You had to. Bust I was the fuck in between one eighty nine and two fifteen. What do you want from me? Teaspoon of ice, tablespoon, teaspoon, <laughs> you motherfucker. I wrestled. I wrestled at two. I would have wrestled at two fifteen. Only, only the person who was wrestling two fifteen was better than I was. So you know, I, I tried to go to one eighty nine, and and you know, I joke about Doug being a prick. The person at one eighty nine really was a prick. Um, 
and but I couldn't beat him either, so I had no choice. So you you literally like there was no, you just had to keep going down until you found a weight class that you were able to compete in. Yeah, like in that no one else had already claimed. Uh, that's correct. Yeah, we had a good team. Yeah, we had a really good team. Damn, good guys. Team. But one, I, also, if I can indulge in one more story for that one eighty nine weight class, um, the guy that did wrestle there was not very well liked, and Luke and this guy also did not get along very well. So when we had a wrestle off. It was this kind of epic moment where these two guys were – it got kind of nasty. Amazing. And one of my favorite moments, it was very cinematic to me, is uh, they were kind of like – it was getting heated and almost like sort of like, uh-oh, these guys are about to go to blows. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember Luke doing something like either you headbutted him or something, and like he was very dramatic, and he fell over, and he like landed into the wall. And Rise, who did that, like the timer went off, and it sounded like a flat line. It was just goes <laughs> – we all just froze as this guy was laying in the corner going, ah, ah, I'm like, oh, shit, did Luke kill him? <laughs> Are we hearing a flatline somehow? I was like, like, oh, shit, he's dead. He's- Long live Luke. <laughs> I remember, um, so for wrestle-offs, there were usually like five or six of them going on at the same time. Yeah. But that one, they actually stopped all the others. Right? Like we all watched. Wow. And everybody else just watched. Yeah. Um, and yes, I, I headbutted him, and my um, my perverse pleasure out of that was that that was the day before our team picture. Yes, he had a black eye. I forgot. Amazing. So he had a black eye in the team picture. Amazing. And so forever and ever and ever, I will look back on our team photo and see him with the black eye, and I will smile <laughs> an evil smile to myself. I forgot about that. You prick. Yes, I love <laughs> that's it. That's awesome. Oh, that was oh, that's so funny. I love oh my it, God. Man. So Luke and I have a history. Right. <laughs> so you were coming down, one more time, you were coming down from 215, mm-hmm. and you were coming up from 189. I was in the middle. I was about 200 pounds. Okay. About 200. Mm, at my heaviest, I was 210. So but, you were. So you had to put on roughly 15 pounds while you lost 40 fucking five pounds. Yeah. Goddamn. Uh, yes. I mean, I could have just, just solved this all and beat Doug, but I couldn't. So, <laughs> I could have lost Doug to him, and that, and that would have been it, but... Yeah. So. Goddamn. Goddamn. But but but, but Doug medaled at state, and the guy at one eighty nine medaled at yeah. state, and so it was a good team. Like, yeah, it was a really we had a good really team. good team that year. Wow, we did we did very well. We we're very I, proud. Um, I I've got to I got to give it to you. That is that is that's impressive. I mean, you hear about like celebrities who are dropping weight for like a role or something. You hear like that is on like a whole next level shit of of how you drop weight. Which is a shame, too, because oh, yeah, you but- spent the summer, like, bulking up for football. And then it was like, oh, by the way, cut 45 pounds. And, and thank you for pointing out that celebrities do this and get $20 million and win off. <laughs> hey, you got a medal at the end of the season. <laughs> <laughs> you earned it. I did it. I did it for high school pride. <laughs> Go Tigers! I still wear my goddamn. I did it Letterman so that we jacket. would have an awesome story on this podcast. We knew it would happen. Yeah, we if, it later we we're like, we're going to be having a podcast reminiscing. It's going to be great, guys. One day this is going to pay off. Yeah, big just, time. Just you wait as he's laying there out of like breath and stuff. Right. I'm whispering. I'm like, dude, it's going to it's going to be worth it, Doug. This will pay, Doug. Dividends. Sh- <laughs> shut your stupid mouth. <laughs> you look like an idiot. <laughs> Breathe through your nose. <laughs> <laughs> oh fucking a! So I, I kind of want to change gears uh, real quick here. Uh, so I get that was that must have been that must have been like a hugely educational for you. Oh damn! On yeah. on how to like cut weight. This guy. 
This guy. Like, and then, like, speaking of education. Masterful segue, <laughs> my friend. Speaking of education, Luke, <laughs> you have an education background, yes? I'm going to take that as a Skype yes. froze! Oh, it froze! I oh, per- it. <laughs> like, you know why? It's that or he's not, he doesn't want to admit to it. Drew's texting you, that's why. Drew, quit texting us. If you want to be on the podcast, Drew, just be on the podcast. Don't text us. Yeah, come on. We have guests on the podcast, buddy. Uh, so I yes. thought we were just gonna. I thought we were just gonna talk about high school for an hour. That's what I saw. You know, uh, like, oh, dude. Okay. If we want to do that, we could just go back to Kirksville. You know, we oh, could do. I oh. could. I could tell some high school stories. <laughs> I remember my time in high school. I remember school. my time in high school. Man, hot rods and cigarettes. <laughs> <laughs> what are you from the fifties? Yeah, Greece. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Greece. Yeah, it's awesome. Sandy. <laughs> Sandy. <laughs> Sandy. <laughs> Travolta and everything. It was fantastic. <laughs> oh, my God. Don't do that ever again. <laughs> that was awful. It made my insides hurt. Ugh. That was so gross. I love it. I don't like it at all. So, Luke, yes, you have an education background. Yes, indeed. Awesome. So, uh... As, That's as, how we could have gone, too. What? Oh, great high school stories. What comes after high school? College. Speaking of college. Fuck you. That's what. No, sorry. Uh, <laughs> Justin uh, has some issues with... with it's with, not uh, issues. You're building this up like it's fucking Mayweather McGregor. Hey, you did this between Ma- Wayne and I, so I'm just saying... That's fair. That's very fair. That's <laughs> no, very Justin fair. and I have had conversations in the past, and he's gotten pretty heated about... Uh, <laughs> Higher education and things like that, and uh, just out of you know curiosity, Justin, what are some what are some of your peccadillos? Just because I get nosebleeds when I talk about it doesn't mean I get heated when I talk about it. All right, I, it's just discussions, Doug. Sure, sure, just lighthearted just discussions. ideas, ideas. It's just idea sharing, data dumping is all it is. It's no big deal. We're just having a conversation. I'm just having a conversation. Uh, no, um, it, it's not that I'm. It's not that I get pissed about it it's just that there's a bunch of stuff that i feel is either i don't understand or i feel is uh unfair and unnecessary we'll say that that seems fair we'll start there um i get it it really boils down to three three big points for me and then we can kind of go in and and dive into these if we want uh one of them is cost to benefit ratio of how much you're paying versus what you're getting out of it number two is fluff classes and number three is the curriculum being outdated sure and, I mean, where, where do you want to start? Well, let's start with cost-benefit ratio. So okay. what, are, what are your issues with that? Uh, I mean, how you, how are your student debts coming out? <laughs> uh, Case my, in uh, point. My, uh, yeah, my student debt, uh, not so good. I think it should be done by uh, 2020. <laughs> I think it should be paid off. I mean, people, people go, college kids, you know, kids going into this, a lot of them, like I was very fortunate. I don't, I don't, I came out of college with no debt. My mm-hmm. parents, my parents, uh, through their divorce and through whatever, f- figured things out to where they were able to to pay for my schooling. And I wasn't huge into schooling to begin with. Yeah. So I wasn't like, I'm going to be a doctor. You got to pay for eight to 12 years. I was like four years and I'm out. Can I do it in less? No? Great. I'll do four years and I'm out. Mm-hmm. So I'm very fortunate. I, I definitely acknowledge that I, 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 I understand how fortunate that is. A lot of people I know are coming out of college and they are fucking buried in debt, that they're barely ever got like Wayne for example was talking to me today he's like he was he was in it jokingly but he's like I'm basically gonna die with my debt he goes mm-hmm. I've not even begun to chip away at the uh, principal mm-hmm. like it's just I, to this day he goes I'm still paying on interest like yeah. and so I feel like we we have one of the most highest one of the most expensive education systems 
in the world. Mm-hmm. And I, I feel like that's insane, personally. Mm-hmm. And I, I was looking online. The national average for uh, public schools uh, to private schools, anywhere between $9,700, like $10,000, roughly for private school, and $33,500, $33,500 for private schools. That's mm-hmm. that's the 2016, 17, or 15, 16 average, okay. national average, right? Um, you know, you, you multiply that by four years and you're getting upwards of 160,000 plus dollars that a student is taking on no concept of how to negotiate a, a loan or any, anything to put like, they're getting the worst loans probably possible. Like mm-hmm. it, it's just, and now you're, you're, you're working to pay that off and not working for yourself. Mm-hmm. And that's one of my big beefs. Cool. So Luke, uh, obviously, with your background and things like that, I'm sure you hear about this stuff all the time. What are, what are your thoughts on the cost-to-benefit ratio? Sure, sure. Um, it's, a, it's such a fascinating thing. It, it depends so much on this and, and whether you think of higher education as um, being driven by mission or market, right? And so if you think about it as dri- being driven by mission, then you really start to ask yourself a lot of the questions that you, Justin, are asking, like why – our schools getting away with charging people, you know, this cost, and we've spun this narrative, and this this narrative comes all the way from, you know, our former president, President Obama, who said everybody should go to college, um, all the way to the schools who are eager to get people um, to enroll, um, and, and you start to ask, well, but this doesn't make financial sense, right? And somebody's being irresponsible, and I think it's the schools that are being irresponsible to their mission. And so if you look at it from the mission standpoint, I think you've got a really valid point. Um, if you look at it from the market standpoint, um, who's to blame for paying all this money for this good, right? You know, mm-hmm. we would would we would we ever say, uh, hey, um, Tesla, you know, hey, Jaguar, you know, hey, Porsche, why are you selling all these expensive cars to these people? Why are mm-hmm. you charging so much, right, for it to pay this? Uh, when the consumers are willing to pay it, it's an economic supply and demand issue, hmm. right? So, so interesting. So, Okay, I like I, I understand that, but at the same time, you don't have to have a Tesla in order to get considered for a job that's going to pay you a living wage. Like mm-hmm. society kind of deems the fact that you have to have this thing, and that that kind of leads into one of my other ish points is that, uh, like you, Jill, for example, has said like if someone has ten years of experience versus someone who has an, a college degree regardless of what the degree is, they're going to look at someone with the degree. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that, again, that's like, that is insane to me because yeah. like, fuck the degree. If you've got 10 years experience in this industry, then you are way more qualified than someone who's just got a college degree, a bachelor's, a master's degree yeah. because you've actually been doing it. So I would say that I feel like the only way to look at it is by, it was mission versus market is what you said? That's right, would be, yeah. I, I feel like the only way to look at it is mission because that is you're being basically told by society that you have to go to college lest you fail at life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, colleges get stuck. Uh, so there's a couple of great points in there. One, uh, we're in this weird place where uh, the job market, I think, drives a lot of college decision making, just like you pointed out. Um, and so, you know, people are going to college for all different reasons, but one of them is to get a job and it's to get that credential. And so, you know, colleges have this uh, have have this real problem with um, like scope creep of the mission. So 
So what are they supposed to be doing? Are they supposed to be teaching people how to think? Um, are they supposed to be teaching people how to have hard skills? Are they supposed to be preparing people to get a job? Are they supposed to be teaching people how to socialize with each other? Um, are they supposed nice. to be giving mobile exposure? Are they supposed to be doing all these things um, all at once? And so there's kind of a real mess uh, of a problem there. Um, so that's one piece of it. Uh, the schools, a lot of schools are also stuck economically in this position where they have to act um, from this mission standpoint, but they also have to economically survive, right? And so a lot of the government funding for particularly public institutions has been really cut, and that leaves schools in the unenviable position where they're raising tuition faster <laughs> than inflation, um, and this is leading to a lot of the debt, right? They also mm -hmm. have consumers who are willing to take on this debt and are frankly, are, are the consumers are not asking questions by consumers, I mean students, they're not asking questions about what am I actually taking on in this debt and what is my return because they believe, oh, I just have to do this regardless. And so the schools are not seeing the proper incentives to give good financial education, right? to be able to say, well, let's sit down and let's look at what this is actually going to get you on the market. Um, so the schools are backed into these um, corners by the financial pressures, by um, all of the parts of their mission there. Um, so I'm not so I don't want to sit here and make it sound like I'm completely absolving the schools of blame. Um, but what it but I think what it would take for the schools to actually change their financial structure is enough prospective students saying this is ridiculous. We don't want to pay this. Uh, why are we taking on this much debt just to have this credential to go out into the job market? Um, but the problem is there are so many students who are saying, well, sh well, sh you know, I have to do this anyway, um, regardless of what the cost is going to be. So there are these all these factors um, on different sides kind of forcing students into this path and taking college. I wish that the job market would adjust and say, you don't have to have a college degree. It doesn't matter if you have a college degree. It matters what skills you have right. and can you do the job. But we're not at that place right now. So you think it would take a mass, a, like a basically a mass agreement from a large section of, of the people who are basically of the consumers in this in this instance to basically say, oh. no, we're in, until you change and reform this or until basically the workplace change. Like it's either the schools need to shift or society kind of needs like the workplace needs to shift basically. Yeah. Well, and, and what, who gets squeezed right now the worst is the middle class. Yeah. Right. Because, because the, um, the wealthy can generally afford to pay the tuition costs and not incur a great deal of debt. You know, you've sure. got mom and dad who are uh, extremely wealthy. They just write checks um, for it. And it doesn't set them into a place of debt. And then um, in order to um, both actually be diverse as well as appear diverse, Students are the schools are increasingly throwing scholarships, financial aid, uh, money at um, the lowest ends of the socioeconomic spectrum. Right. Um, so that they, um, I do believe the schools have, a, a, are, they want to do it um, for altruistic reasons, but there's also an element of good publicity. Oh, sure. That yeah. comes out of it too. Sure. Um, and, but who, but who gets lost in that shuffle is everybody in the middle class. So if this trend continues, um, schools will end up being just the polar, the poles mm -hmm. right, of the socioeconomic spectrum. You'll have the super wealthy and you'll have the super underprivileged, but it's the middle class that gets, gets squeezed because they can't pay the tuition out of pocket, but they're also not getting the same kind of attention for scholarships and grants you know, that the, the, the lowest ends of the socioeconomic spectrum is. And so it's yet another kind of example of how schools are, 
implicit and mm -hmm. complicit and hollowing out the middle class of America. And, and it's going to continue down that trend mm -hmm. unless there is some sort of mass consumer action, which uh, economically speaking is really unlikely to happen. Right. Well, and I mean, also anytime you need to, to mobilize and, and kind of, uh, bring together that large of a, of a populace, like it usually, it's next to impossible to do that. Well, especially because you, you mentioned something, you know, very important to originally Luke, which is that there's this social and cultural pressure for people to go to college. I mean, I know when I was growing up, it was, there was no option. It was, you're going to college, which I'm happy that I did, but it almost seems like nowadays it's like, Oh, you didn't go to college. Well, fuck you. Like, you know, you're it, there's almost like this sort of like you know looking down your nose at someone who doesn't want to go to college and right. it's, there was all and that was back you know for me early 2000s where it was like oh you need to go to college and it seems like you know you know the, the pressure has only grown since then and i guess yeah. ultimately a from there do you think i'm oh, sorry go ahead a college, a college degree is the new bachelor's degree or, or the high school diploma excuse me no i totally yeah that's what i was gonna say so do you feel like Getting a bachelor that much pressure to get it has devalued a bachelor's degree. Sure, yeah, you no longer stand out in the market on the job market just by having a bachelor's degree. Like once upon a time, forty years ago, having a bachelor's degree was like having a PhD is now, mm -hmm. right? It was something relatively rare and still a distinguishing element on the job market. Right. Where now it's um, you're exactly right. You know, it's more common to come across jobs where it's just required. Yeah, you yeah. have the and if you don't, then you're it's a non-starter, um, and that's unfortunate. Right? That it, you know the rhetoric. I totally understand the intentions that people had when there was this rhetoric about everybody should go to college, but that's but that's only worsening this mentality, right? And it's creating the sense that if you don't, you are not skilled and not equipped to do jobs, which is absurd. We have so you look at the economic range of jobs in this country, and there are. So many jobs where having a college degree does not equip you to do that job better. Sure, absolutely. Right? Yeah. You, you think of you think of lots of jobs, um, you know, in industrial sectors and energy sectors, you know, in um, administrative sectors, and you just don't you just don't need one. Um, but we've created this narrative where you you feel like you have to. Yeah, and it's not it's not healthy economically in the long term. Yeah, yeah. I would agree with that. And the, the other thing that I kind of came across today or the other thought that I've, I've had for a while, and it, it wasn't until today that I actually sat down and did did some, some reading on it, is uh, <clears throat> because apparently in Europe, specifically Germany, but apparently in Europe, vocational schools are looked at as equals to universities, basically. Like, they're like, great, yeah, you go to vocational school, that's just as valid. You're, you're not looked at as lesser or dumb or, like, blue collar. It's just that's the choice that you've... Sure. You you went there for your education instead, and I feel like in America, it going to some sort of vocational school or or trade college or something is looked at as well. You couldn't go to the university, so you're going to go to this other thing, and you're going to get a menial job. Mm -hmm. uh, that this and that, but you know, vocational schools uh, average tuition on that, depending on the market you're in, three to twelve thousand dollars a year, <clears throat> and it's usually a two two and a half year program, and you've got the exact skills you're looking for without, which comes to my second point, the fluff classes mm -hmm. that have nothing to do with the job you're looking to get into or the, the, the industry you're looking to get into. <clears throat> and I, I blame, I don't know, I blame the, the stigma that American society has put on vocational schools as, as a big part because if I could have just gone to a college for broadcasting, no, like I would have in no way, shape, or form would I have ever worried about like college, university. Like I would have gone right there 
and been done with it. Like, but I, I think that in America, there's this social stigma of what that is, of what a trade school is. So in your college experience, Justin, what were some of those fluff classes that you took? Uh, I mean, so I went into radio broadcasting, and I've said this in the podcast before, because it was one of the, one of the only uh, industries that was as far removed from math as possible. <laughs> and so like, I was like, basically, what can I do that I don't have to add? Great. I can talk. <laughs> uh, words are my friend. Numbers are not. So uh, any math class that I had to take, I was, I was, I, I'm like, why? Why do I need this? I know how to do basic arithmetic. I don't need, you know, algebra or calculus 102 or whatever to, to do what I'm looking to do. No radio jock needs that. I guarantee it, you know. Uh, a history class, for example, was, uh, I think it was, it was English uh, – God, what was it? It was it was uh, European history, fourteen hundred to present day, mm-hmm. and I was like, no one needs to know that uh, you know Edward the Sixth was the king of England and Ireland from fifteen forty seven to fifteen fifty three. No one needs to know that. No one's ever going to remember that. No one's going to remember that the French Revolution. Uh, you wrote was... these down, didn't you? No, I didn't. <laughs> I was like, if you pull this off the top of your head, I was like, obviously those weren't fluff glasses. They mattered. They worked. Your, your argument no flawed. No one needs these. No one's going to remember that the French Revolution, uh, no, the French, the French Republic, I can't even read my own fucking writing, was proclaimed in 1792. No one needs that. You know, and so initially these classes were to make you a more well-rounded, a more well overall educated individual, right? You could, you could, you could speak on many things. You had a general understanding. I, those are classes that I did not need to spend money on. I did not need to spend my parents' money on those classes. Mm-hmm. Like, it, for, for, the, for what I was going into. So if I could have gone, uh, you know, if, or if I had the wherewithal to go to a trade school where I just learned, you know, the, the, what I needed to know for that industry, I feel like that would have been different. What do you think about that, Luke? This is a, this is a, it's fascinating. I, I, I'm somewhat of a student of a history of, of the way that universities have evolved, especially in the U.S., um, and th- this is a holdover, particularly from like the late 1800s and early 1900s, where uh, you're absolutely right. Like trade training and vocational training was considered to be essentially boorish. Uh, this is where um, you you would go study these things if you were not that interesting and you were not that upwardly mobile and this kind of thing. And so it's there's a fa- there's fascinating work by a guy named Jerome Carabell, who his essential thrust of his theory is that colleges um, have fashioned themselves as places of upward mobility when they're really just uh, institutions of the rich to preserve their <laughs> status. Um, and it's really fascinating. So his, you know, in his research, he asserts that uh, the wealthy around the late 1800s and the early 1900s started introducing the concept of the liberal arts, right? And the liberal arts was, um, in fact, to try to uh, break away from this very vocational training and focusing on, you know, industrial training and business training and instead um, enroll their sons and daughters, but frankly, mostly sons at that time, um, to, uh, to focus on these very kind of aloof, pretentious, you know, high-minded things like you know, ancient civilizations and studying Latin, which isn't even wasn't even used then, much less now. <laughs> and so, but these kind of pursuits that were um, just to stretch the mind, sure. right? And they could they could afford to stretch their mind because they had great jobs and great privilege waiting for them anyway when they graduated. So this was essentially just exercises and um, 
you know, kind of frivolous fun um, in terms of learning. But somehow, um, because of the power that college institutions took on, that became um, the status quo for what qualified as an elite education. Right. So now it, it continues to be considered elite to go off to the Ivy League schools and study um, things that you're never going to use. Right. Sure. You, you study like people come out with. I don't want to pick on any majors, but you know, uh, you know. Very few people come out with a philosophy degree and go be philosophers. Right. Right? That's a fair point. Is, yeah. is that a job? <laughs> is that a job? I want to meet one person that hands me their business card and it just says philosopher. It's like, how much do you make doing that? Now, I know people have said that works into things like law degrees, like sometimes, you know, the idea of creating an argument and seeing things like that. But, yeah, how many people are like, yep, I'm ready to begin my philosophy, you know, Doug Cochran's philosophy out on Main Street. Come on by. <laughs> I mean, what do it's we? It's really an incredible. It's it's really an incredible marker of privilege to go <laughs> off to a place for four years and study something that has no relevance for the rest of your life, right? right? Like, and something that, in all in all honesty, is is an objective practice. Like, there's a lot of philosophy that is well, just how do you feel about this? Yeah, yeah. It's very yeah. Absolutely, that's a really good point. Or something like you said, like Latin. Right. It's like okay, well, they spoke it at one point in time. Not anymore. Right. Congrats. Right. There's a lot of other languages you could study. <laughs> so, yeah. But yeah, you really, and, and even still, you know, the job market in places that are recruiting from these elite, inst- so called elite institutions that are teaching these high minded, unusable subjects, right? They're not basing, they're not hiring anybody based on what they learned in philosophy class or human sexuality or the Beatles in the 1960s. I mean, these are real classes. I read, slow, I read your, a lot of tra- slow your roll on the Beatles class, all right? That was a very helpful class <laughs> for me. That's not fun. <laughs> <laughs> it's the only reason I got my job as a product support specialist. <laughs> I, read tra- I read a lot of transcripts from undergraduate universities, and the, and the courses just get stranger and stranger. <laughs> uh, I, I saw one from a, from a school, and the class was just called Death. <laughs> Wait, what kind of class was it? Philosophy? I... I, I I did not even want to look it up. I didn't want to. Have it's a pre-med class. This is where this is where you go when you're not doing well. This is what you will do to somebody. People die. Oh, oh shit. what did they do? I thought they went to the farm. <laughs> Grandma. <laughs> wow, death. That's an interesting thing to put on the old transcript. How many credit hours? Three. Okay. Cool. So, you know, there, there are some really strange things out there, but, you know, people are getting hired based off um, internship experience, but a lot of times they're getting hired just based on the name on their resume. Like getting into the school is the pa- is the credential. That's the pass yeah. mm-hmm. to be considered for jobs. It's not what you learned there. It's not what you did there. It's not even how you performed there. Yeah. It's the fact, oh, you got admitted by grade school X or grade school Y. Right. And so that, that's enough for us to believe that you have the skills to hire here. And, and you did complete uh, it. You did spend four years there. You paid to go there, yeah. and you completed it. Therefore, you're qualified. Uh, yeah, my current right. position right now, I, I get to sit in on a lot of interviews uh, for people coming into the department because the department I work in, uh, when you come into it initially, is a very entry-level thing. And I don't think in one interview that I've sat in on, I have ever heard anyone ask, uh, and what was your grade point average when you graduated? <laughs> I don't I I don't I don't think I've ever heard anyone like concerned with how did you actually do in college? It's just did you finish? Yeah. And I feel like that is like again like if it's a it's if it's a pass fail thing, why are we doing this? Like yeah. yeah. 
That's interesting. And this and this speaks back to your first point about the cost versus benefit. People are paying uh, not necessarily for. I, I sound very cynical as somebody that works for an institution, but people, <laughs> but, but people uh, by and large are not paying for the skills that they're going to gain. They're buying the track yeah. and staying right. on. Track. Right, because you can go all the way back, back all the way up to elementary school and junior high school. And if you go to a selective private school, then when you apply to a private high school, they're going to take you in part just because you came through this elite elementary school, mm-hmm. and it just keeps going. Right, colleges love to recruit from these private high schools that are very elite, and then you get a job because you went to this great college, and then you want to go to grad school, and the grad school admits you because you got a blue chip job that admitted that hired you because you went to a great college because you went to a great high school and it's there are different tracks mm-hmm. that get made and it's very hard to jump tracks yeah absolutely that's very and college and, and colleges are very good about helping just enough people jump the track to maintain the perception and the image that they are engines of mobility right and they are for a small number of people but that perception is important to preserve the tracks that currently do exist right mm-hmm. so there's some dueling incentives there. God damn, that's depressing. Mm-hmm. What was your third point, Justin? <laughs> you, didn't know, you, didn't, you didn't know we were going to have a bleak podcast. Well, I figured we might go down that road, but... Ugh. All right, what was your third point, Justin? Uh, well, I, I, if nothing else, I hope someone who listens to this doesn't think of this as bleak, but sits there and goes, great, like, how can I maybe be... Maybe be? How can I maybe, maybe be? How can I maybe be? Change... <laughs> my path as I'm going down like yeah. hear this and go cool like I don't have the fucking conf- like maybe there's another way I can approach this or look at this or do you know like that's really what I'm hoping is ironically I'm hoping this podcast is educational hey <laughs> hey all right oh yeah uh, I don't know I studied I studied philosophy and death so who knows <laughs> <laughs> And I studied uh, European history from 1400 to present day, which included the Beatles. <laughs> I hope you go on Jeopardy someday, and there is 1400s European history and the Beatles, and you just clean house. And I just look right? at the people next to me and I just go, fuck you. You're like, put your buzzers down. You're not going to win this. Alex, give me the trophy. <laughs> I'm walking away with these categories. We don't do trophies here. Well, make one. I don't know. I didn't finish college, so... Uh, well, I, real quick on that on that vocational and all that. One of the things I did want to point out is that Germany, and I I, I believe it was, uh, and I don't know if I think it was Switzerland. I think, but definitely Germany. Uh, their apprenticeship systems yeah. is another thing that they are they pride themselves on apprenticeship systems, and I feel like that you know vocational schools into apprenticeship systems. I feel like that would honestly, in my opinion, give you so much more. It's similar to our internship programs, but mm-hmm. way more hands-on, way more interactive. And it, I feel like that, to me, something like that gives you way, preps you way more for the job space you're going into than, you know, something. So I feel like that's something else that we would, that we should start looking at more is, and I know, like, I think I, read, I came across something in an article that said, like, the government was supposed to be giving X number of billion dollars to apprenticeship programs in America to try to bolster that. But I, I as of this point, I don't think I've heard much about that. So I know I a like lot of that does exist in some of the yeah. um, the tech stuff. Like I know a guy who was considering to go be was it electrical or some sort of some sort of trade like that, and they did have an apprenticeship program. It was like five years, 
and you got paid shit, but you basically learned the ropes, hands-on experience with someone uh, in a union and everything like that. And then once you met that level, you could right. basically become part of the union and everything like that. So I know it does exist. Right. Mostly in those trades. Well, aspects. and we could talk about the rise and fall of unions having having uh, you know an impact. Unions not being what they were, and yeah. and you know their you know torrid history, like having an impact on the apprenticeship you know uh, status in America. But that that's for another. Justin podcast. did his research today, Luke. I usually don't I'm, come this prepared. But you're I'm, lucky. Yeah. <laughs> I usually sit here and just like, when can I make the next cum joke? <laughs> <laughs> I let Doug do the talk, and I'm like, I can interject. Here we go. Here! Jizz! <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, anyway, so the third point that I had was uh, curriculum being outdated mm-hmm. uh, or or uh, expiring quickly. Curriculum has a very quick shelf life. Um, when I was in college, there were no – again, I went into radio broadcasting. There were no courses offered for um, – uh, internet radio, podcasting, streaming radio, and by the time I was done, when I was graduating, I looked at the curriculum for the for the upcoming year. Once I walked, and they had introduced a streaming class, and I'm like, "Well, fuck! Like, I am not in nowhere. I, I have no education on the ins and outs of this. I could probably figure it out, but like everything that I've learned up to this point is now in another four, five, six years." is going to start becoming outdated because things move so quickly. Computers is one of the biggest examples I can put. When you go into school, what you what they're what the when you are a senior, what the freshmen are learning by the time they're seniors is going to be completely different than what you learn. Like it 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 has this like four year turnaround time where once you graduate, essentially what you've learned is now old. Obsolete. It's obsolete. Yeah. And I feel like that is a huge issue with uh this which is why i feel like getting a practical experience is a a whole lot better because you're actually you're seeing the trends you're you're having to adapt and learn to the curves instead of sitting there and going great i'm going to be taught out of i'm going to be taught this syllabus and that's what we're sticking to what are your thoughts on curriculums you kind of of inadvertently made the point for fluff classes Uh, (laughs) (laughs) fuck But you, but you're right that in the in the courses that are very focused on a career, with the way that careers are innovate, changing and innovating now in industries, it's not going to be relevant and current, right? Um, I think about you know the things that I studied. Um, you know, I, I studied some business things, and so uh, accounting classes and finance classes, and and the things that I learned there. You know, the accounting principles have already changed, mm-hmm. right? Since I went through that, right? The way that we uh, regulate our financial markets has already changed. So my information there is already obsolete, and that in the vocational classes um, and, the, and the trade classes that, that tends to be true and so that in, in a way is one of the defenses that a lot of schools use for well let's just teach you ancient philosophy yeah. right let's teach 1400s literature and if they are doing it well and not all of them do but if they are doing it well they actually are pushing you to create arguments to um, make logical s- structures and statements and then be able to defend those um, not everyone where it delivers in that kind of way, but that's the high-minded ideal. That if you can be taught how to think and taught how to learn, and this is what this is the highest aspiration of colleges is teaching teaching you how to learn. Sure. Right. So that as you continue in your career, as the world changes, as the industry changes, you at least know how to look at a large set of information, decide what is important and what is not, and be able to sift out the irrelevant information and focus on what's important, and then learn as you go. 
right? So uh, there is a belief you, that some agree with and some disagree with that if you focus on these enduring kind of classes like ancient history or literature or philosophy, and then you construct rigorous debate around that, you'll be better equipped to think and to make logic. I could, I could entertain that argument. That's I mean, that makes sense, yeah. Well, you're definitely tapped into something from my personal college experience. Like, I love my college experience. Not so much my grad school experience, but my undergrad experience was fantastic. Like, not only was that a great time for me socially, which I think is a wonderful aspect of college that I think uh, it's, it's understated. Well, probably not in the movies and stuff like that, but it's a huge part of you socially is to sort of like you are in a realm with the people who are legitimately the best time in your life to meet people that are your peers. They're all there for the same thing. They're relatively the same age group. You're all going through similar things at the same time. It's a great social time for you to sort of develop. But also just class-wise, um, like I felt like a lot of the courses that I did go through helped me with my critical thinking skills. <clears throat> like It allowed me to learn how to create an argument, how to write a paper effectively, how to make my points, uh, how to work with other people, how to present. Uh, it tapped into some of these softer skills um, as well as these additional hard skills. So when I came out the other end and I was like, my school uh, really touted like a high percentage of people went on to grad school. So when I went to grad school, I was like, shit, this is grad school. This is going to be serious stuff. And I was like, this is a goddamn cakewalk. This is grad school? You shitting me? This is easy. Like I had no problem. I got like a, I think a 3.9 in, in grad school. I was like, I think I got one A minus. I just, I, I, because I felt the preparation for my undergrad prepared me for something that like this where I was like, no problem, I've got this. And I feel like I, Luke, to your point, I've carried that with me into my life to look at something and critically analyze something. It's not so much the classes. Some of them have stuck with me. Other ones haven't. But I've had the opportunity to really take that ability to learn and apply it in my everyday life. Right. So for that, I'm extremely thankful uh, for that part of college. Um but I also feel that college also was like, hey, are you 18 to 21 years old? Time to figure out what you want to do the rest of your life. Make your decision now. And I think that's bullshit. <laughs> that's a point you brought up before that I, uh, that I agree with, too, is I feel like college is you, 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 need, you need a couple years. I, some people say that, that, that buffer year. I say three, four years buffer and before you go back because you need to – Figure out who the fuck you are as an adult before yeah. you can actually make a decision that's going to impact the rest of your life. Yeah. 19 years old, choose your major and choose wisely. Right. <laughs> yeah, this is what this is. I'm a big, big fan of lifelong learning, right? In lifelong learning in a formal way through institutions. And that doesn't mean necessarily going back and getting another degree later in life, although some people choose to do that. Mm -hmm. But, you know, taking a class, I, I love the possibility that all these online courses offer. It hasn't been nice. quite. Uh, refined um, to be to have a full fully good value proposition just yet, but I think we're headed there. Uh, but this idea of you know you, I I want to learn coding. I don't know how to code. Same. Right. Right. I don't, and I would love to learn to know how to code. And now there are places where if I'm if I properly carve out the right time, I can go take a coding class. I can do it online. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right. And and so one of the one of the dangerous. Um, models that we as a society have taken for granted, but I actually like that I think we're starting to shift and, and grow beyond this, is that college is a four-year experience that you do at the beginning of your adult life and then you're done. Yeah. Right. And that, and that I think has not served us because um, learn, the ability to learn is a skill, just like anything else, that if you don't practice it, you will lose it. 
It's right? a very good if point. You stop it, mm. If you stop attempting to learn and you stop trying to learn, then yeah, you'll stop learning and you'll forget how, right? That's and so a good point. we have to find ways to challenge ourselves to do that. And, and previously we've had to find those ways on our own, either in life, on the job, something like that. And I think that colleges are rightly looking now to give opportunities to provide lifelong learning no matter where you are in life. Now, are they monetizing them? Yeah, right? And that comes back to the first point. Uh, are, you, are you getting a reward, a benefit for this cost? Are you getting a reward for the cost, right? So uh, my advice, you know, to anybody out there looking at college or things like that, since you wanted some positive advice, uh, one, you know, don't just, don't just take the college party line about, you know, you need to do this um, and just pay the cost and don't look at the rewards, right? Lay out what career you think you might want. And, and if you don't know, if you're 18 years old, that's fine. But pay really close attention to what you're actually paying for, mm-hmm. right? You know, we wouldn't buy a car. We wouldn't buy a house. We wouldn't buy any purchase of this magnitude without doing some really due diligence on, okay, yes, this is an upfront investment. And yes, this is going to set me back in the short term. And what are the, what are the gains and the payouts down the road? Not enough people ask that in college. And, you know, I, I kind of tongue in cheek said we need, you know, as consumers and especially the middle class to all revolt against colleges and not go. That's not going to happen. Mm-hmm. But what might happen is enough people saying, I'm not going to do this until you college university sit down with me and properly inform me. Right. About, you know, what are the costs and what are the benefits and let me understand what I'm getting myself into. That's what we do with real estate agents. That's what we do with car salespeople. And why? Point. Why? Why we don't do that with people who promote and recruit colleges, it's a little insane. Right. It's basically right. holding the educators accountable for educating you about your education. Like you're – I mean quite simply, you're saying, look, inform me about what I'm getting into. Educate me. Yeah. Huh. That would be interesting if people did take that – ad. They, they viewed education like that. It's not so much like, oh, shit, I need to get into these guys or I want to get into this so bad. It should be, why should I come to your school? Right. You should be pitching me – and giving me all the things like we, you need me. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. You need me to show up to pay tuition. Why should I come to your school? And they've some of these schools, like Luke has mentioned, is have this great brand, you know, this this idea. But at the same time, it's like, okay, cool. So, what's the point? Right. You know, why should I show up? Why should I be here? Um, but I also love how you brought up online courses, Luke, because I'm really curious about your thoughts uh, as we kind of come to the the end of the section here of like online courses and where do you think. Where do you think that's heading? And do you think it can compete with, um, uh, you know, with, with the brick and mortar, if you will, uh, mm-hmm. schools? Well, the, well the, what brick, the advantage the brick and mortar still have is what you brought up, Doug, is the, the opportunity to come together and socialize mm-hmm. with other people, right, and have that social experience. And that, by the way, is, is one of the probably not just one of the benefits, probably still the leading benefit of college. Mm-hmm. And so... You know, the other thing, the other piece of advice that people can do going through college, network like hell. Yes. Right. You know, it still is valuable who you know. Right. And so regardless of what school you are at, one of the things that you are still buying and the benefits that you are still getting that can't be directly uh, monetized, but certainly will increase your value on the market is to connect with the people who have gone through that institution who can open doors for you. Right. So if you're studying, you know, radio journalism, you know, broadcast journalism, then surely there are people who have graduated from that. Institution. 
institution who are working in the field, sure, get coffee with them, get on the phone. And there's and there's this colleges. The one thing that I do give colleges great credit for doing is building this almost absurd sense of pride. <laughs> yeah, right? you're so true. Right? In the like students and alums have an irrational love. Right, <laughs> so true, yeah. And so, you know, if, if somebody from my school uh, who is a current student at, my, at one of the schools I went to calls me up, I don't even ask questions about are they qualified right? <laughs> or, 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 or anything like that. I'm like, eh, I went to my school. Let's talk, right? <laughs> No, you're right. right. Like there is, a, yeah. I mean, with LinkedIn and stuff like that, when you see that there's a connection at a place that you're interested in and they went to your school, you reach out and be like, hey, we may not know each other personally, but we went to the same school. What do you, you know, and you're right. like, cool. We have some similar connection here. Let's let's talk. Hey, Roll Tide, you're hired. <laughs> and that and that is a great way to work the system. Right? Yeah. So yeah. Even, even if, you know, in the bleak set of things, you feel like you're not learning from your classes and, you know, you're at a school where the classes are outdated and you're taking a bunch of fluff and, and stuff like that. You're like, well, OK, let me have fun and let me make sure that I get the connections with yeah. the people who have passed before me to help elevate me in life. Absolutely. Right? Absolutely. Yeah. And so that's and so that's a huge opportunity that still does exist. So, so to your question, um, online hasn't yet caught fire because it can't yet replicate the experience of uh, sitting in a room with people and, and you know, the bell rings or the, or the clock hits or whatever, and you walk out and you go get a coffee or a beer or, you know, you do whatever it is that kids do these days. You stare at your phones and snap each other or something. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, you're totally right. Know. And I feel like there's a place for, like, uh, you know, I'm sure there's some people who maybe don't want that social experience or feel like they don't need it. So I feel like that's where the online stuff comes in. Or obviously people later in their life, you know, they're like, look, I don't need this. I know all the people I need to know. Sure. I don't need to know anymore, and I want to focus just on this. So I do believe there is a market for that. But also on the educator side, uh, are you familiar with Jordan Peterson at all, uh, Luke? No, no, I'm not. He's a uh, kind of a controversial educator up in Canada. Um, he's most huh. contra- his biggest controversy was basically saying that he wasn't going to use the, uh, um, the new gender pronouns. Uh, that Canada has required people to use. He's like, no, nah, I'm not doing that. So, um, But he's a very intelligent person, and he's talked about how he's put a lot of his lectures online. He has his own YouTube channel, and he's accumulated over the years millions upon millions of views of his content, which I find fascinating because he's been able to reach more people over YouTube than he would in, in all of his classes put together. So I'm curious, what do you think? How do you think things like that are going to shape the future? As far as like, I think that those sort are stuff. I think those. I think that is great for skills acquisition. I think it's good for um, you know individual learning, and you, you see all these videos that are really you know catching fire. Sure. And and yeah, they, there's a place. For that, right? yeah. But I don't think that those are going to displace the brick and mortar institutions, right? You can't. You're not going to be able to cobble together you know ten thousand videos or whatever would be the replica of the number of lectures you sit through. Right, and be able to sell that as a a competitor product mm-hmm. to the institution. So I think you can learn that way. I think those are interesting, and I think those are good for you know kind of micro learning experiences. I honestly think this the first schools that really get on the VR experience. Oh wow! You know, things, things like virtual reality. I never considered that when we talked about VR in the yeah, past. I Holy shit! Either. Like imagine, you know, I could be sitting here and you could be sitting there and, and you know, we could be having an experience where we're kind of, we're experiencing the same class at the same time. Oh, and, that's kind of cool. And, 
And that is a real opportunity to come close to simulating the um, camaraderie oh. of being in a classroom together, or, or you, and you can replicate that for extracurricular experiences, all these kind of things, yeah. uh, where you don't actually have to pay to go live there. You don't have to, um, you know, displace yourself in that way. So schools, I think that's a huge opportunity for schools. It would be a huge, huge investment, but uh, you'd be a market leader in the sense of creating that, right? And as that technology continues to evolve, you know, it's a world I'm sure where um, eventually, you know, my avatar could be sitting there with you and it could feel like me sitting right there in the room, right? I don't think we're that far off from that. Oh, man, so, you just blew my mind with that. I, of all, we had an episode where we're like, man, VR, what can we use it for? Never once did that come into my right, mind. porn came up first, that was never obviously education. That's the first thing that come up. It's just <laughs> like, porn, obviously, that's what we're going to use it for because that's invention. That's the yeah. first thing. Porn drives, you know, industry, guys. It right. drives innovation. It's the first thing we do. <laughs> It's going to be the first artificial intelligence that's going to be porn-related. Right, so absolutely. That's what it's going to be. Well, and, that's, and that's why the VR industry isn't yet courting education, because education can't fit the bill that, like, a porn, you know. A oh, porn 100%. Industry. It's billions of dollars in the porn industry yeah. versus education. But, man, yeah. I just imagine that, because you're taking that online course to the next level of, like you said, we could all be in different places of the world, but still be in a class and interact with each other socially in a way that makes sense. Right. And that is would, still that, that engaging. Would, that would come closer than any other version of online learning in terms of replicating the shared experience of being in a classroom or being, um, you know, even at a sporting event or all of the different pieces that that make it up the college. Experience. I'm also thinking from a presenter standpoint, how awesome that would be because to, to be looking out at a sea of avatars and know <laughs> that all of them are actual people who are watching seeing you like writing on a virtual board or whatever or like just thinking like okay guys today we're going to talk about uh you know the ocean you click a button and all of a sudden people are in the ocean you're in a boat you know yeah. like or we're going to talk about the sun today and all of a sudden you're in space and you're looking at this large diagram of the sun and the different ways you can keep people keep people engaged as opposed to so on the cuz the, li- the we're going to go right to the point when the french uh yes. the, the french uh, republic was first proclaimed in 1792 and you're going to be there yeah when they fucking guy got his uh his head be fucking chopped the worst off. thing you could do is like all right guys it's literally a classroom with a guy digitally writing on a board it's like wait why are we doing this like you're just this isn't this is a terrible idea. We're this, missing these opportunities. This feels real. This feels too real. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, and everything we know about how we learn is that experiential learning is is more sticky, so to speak. Yeah. Right? That, that's, yeah. that stays with us than just hearing it audio audibly or just reading it on a page. Now I'll and tell so you those, that I agree. Like I would, I would have paid way more attention in that in that history class if if I would if they could have dropped us into the the place and time that they were talking about, and you could have looked around and like seen like okay, this is what this looks like. This is what oh wow, they were shorter, or wow that you know this was what this was. You know, look a dragon. You know, yeah. whatever. Yeah, exactly. Or you think of like an anatomy class where it's like cool. You guys are going to VR, go in and do sure. cadaver work or something like that, right? And actually look at that and see what that is and be able to identify or have some sort of uh you know user interface that uh talks to you as you do it like that sort of stuff would be so much more immersive yeah and i obviously taking away from that or looking at art 
in museums right. that you can't go to and just physically like being able to kind of almost touch it in artificial space yeah. and like really take a look at all these different things that it's rendered in such a realistic way like that would stick with you so much more than that would be fantastic. here's a slideshow right. in the basement of a place in a dark room right exactly like, yeah, yeah like oh man man it would totally change like wrestling too oh my god you wrestling know? would be so or, much more real football <laughs> Oh, sit there at a, I, sit there at a game and just literally watch someone play a video game and you're in the crowd. <laughs> you're basically watching Xbox. <laughs> the Twitch gaming industry would just it, it would fall on top of itself. Right, yeah. Oh, you know what else that VR would be awesome for? A throwdown! What? Yes! <laughs> See, Justin's the king of Segway. I'm terrible at them. Segway, bitches. That's how you fucking Segway. So, uh, again, the rules of the thro- throwdown, Luke, are that Justin's going to come up with two things and we're going to have uh, to logically... Uh, you know, based on our experiences in learning and our, our death classes and our philosophy classes, come up with an argument as to why one would win over the other in a fight I to wish the death. We could, I wish we could simulate the throwdown in virtual reality. <laughs> God damn Wouldn't that it. Be great? That'd be so amazing. <laughs> so amazing. All right. So today's throwdown mm-hmm. was inspired by the beginning of our podcast. Okay. And uh, we're going to flip flop. We're going to do a little body swap. Oh, gross. Right. <laughs> Get ready, boys. Oh, boy. It's VR time. Okay. <laughs> uh, we are going to do 170-pound uh, Doug. Oh, shit. Versus 215 Luke <laughs> in a wrestling oh. match. So Doug's skill, but Luke's got the Luke's got the bulk. Oh, shit. So, so basically me, Doug, my freshman year. Doug trimmed school. and Luke stayed where he was happily and didn't fucking kill himself. Oh, man. So this, I... This, my mind more than the virtual reality <laughs> oh okay so basically yeah. i cut the weight so i was in the same sort of like you know fatigue that's, an, that's an important question did doug have to cut 45 pounds to get there or yep. is this is now the weight yes doug had to cut 45 pounds to get there but keep in mind you cut i just dropped my pen you cut 45 pounds to get there and you still placed in state yes so it's it wasn't a huge detriment like in the in the at the time it was but you know keep that in mind uh, well, that's a huge advantage to but, Luke. But Doug's, <laughs> but to your to, to Luke's point, you had skills beyond what he was able to to go up against. So you've got your skills, but you don't have the weight. But the one thing I didn't talk about was Luke had some willpower and mental fortitude. Well, no shit. I think Unlike, we did talk about that. Un- the way he cut his weight, we, we mentioned it <laughs> on a I side. Think it way. was implied. Yeah, <laughs> but let's just come out and say because the one thing about Luke too is I could never pin Luke. No matter what, Luke would never, ever, ever give up. So you just had to knock him out with a ladder. I basically had to get some sort of bludgeoning item to hit him in the face. Right. Cage match. That is true. Even even at my most despondent moments, I managed not to get pinned. He even refused. When you were the- he was okay. a wily sumbitch. He re- no matter what I did, I did all the techniques properly. I could not get both of his shoulders down. He would still wiggle. I'm like, God damn it. Let me pin you, and he was like, well, "That's probably because no. the ref was doing one of those counts where they like bring their arm up too far, so he had just enough time to pop the shoulder and get back up out of it." He was constantly he was under- doing the, the WWE count. <laughs> <laughs> just bring the hand down, I'm, man. So for I'm that, grateful that Doug made not to mention my um, affection for WWE until he now, so. loves WWE. Well, because that was the originally I was like, "Well, if we're talking wrestling, we're just going to go to WWE stars." <laughs> but then I'm like, "Oh, I'll make it more personal." Now that I know that, Luke, <laughs> we could change this around, but we won't. No, we're no, gonna... I'm intrigued by this. I'm intrigued. Okay, so let, but see, Doug, you're you're I think what four or five inches taller than me. True. So, so if you were at 171, you'd have some real lankiness going on. I would look like uh, it. And, and you're, 
And you always use that to your advantage. I feel like it would be very hard to get to your legs at 171. It'd be really hard. Well, to if get I to was them. tired, it wouldn't be too hard to get to them. Because you know, I'd be breathing out my mouth like a dummy, right? You know, so you could take advantage of me pretty easily. Stuff that way. a sock in there, and you can't breathe. I feel nope. like that's a great. You know, that'd be a great psych out technique. <laughs> But I'd be too dumb to do it. That's the thing. I would your be... opponent would be like, oh, look at this dumb guy with his mouth open, and then that's when you get him. <laughs> except, except I would be too dumb to figure that out. I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be wily or smart enough to do that. Uh, based uh, on my personal mental fortitude and things like that, I don't know if I would have, especially at that time in my life, I don't know if I would have had the willpower or the fortitude to basically fight through a fully realized 215-pound Luke Pena. <laughs> Uh, I really want to be modest, and uh, <laughs> you don't have to. This I, is a throwdown. But he's like, you're I right. Think I, I think, I think if I had had forty pounds on you, I would have kicked your ass. I, <laughs> I, 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 like I said, I mean, you headbutted that guy, you know. So I mean, you had you had the the will and the way, and had you the means and the energy. I mean, what if we gave you ten pounds? What if we made it a twenty, or we gave you twenty pounds? So we made a twenty pound difference. So you're a buck ninety five, and you were two fifteen. See, Doug, Doug, knew how to, Doug knew how to use his 205-pound body really well against his opponents because he wrestled a lot of fat, short, like stout. <laughs> I did. I mean, come on, Doug. I did. Right? But but, um, but they weren't used to wrestling this six foot five, you know, 200-pound guy. And Doug, Mouth-breathing and Doug behemoth. To... <laughs> Can you call me that from now on? Mouth-breathing behemoth? <laughs> <laughs> so, Doug, I feel like your strategy, correct me if I was wrong, but you kind of just let those fat... 215 pounders wear themselves out. <laughs> I kind of ro- I rope them, doped them a little bit. Uh, my then, my strategy was to get them. To, like I, I I did a lot of leg riding with them. I would use my legs yes. and I would I would do that sort of stuff because a lot of guys. Yeah, because a lot of guys at my weight class didn't do that. That was kind of like a mid weight to lower weight sort of strategy was leg riding and because a lot of those times when the big guys went down, they didn't get back up. Just, yeah. they just it wasn't going to happen. <laughs> so if we do we did get in that, I had ways of essentially kind of interlocking that in but again i keep going back to my energy levels yeah. you know if i was not i'm a baby when it comes to energy i, I acknowledge See, that this is why this is why i feel like your smackdown really handicaps doug because the the further down you go in the weight classes the less novel that strategy would be yeah like but, it uh, really worked heavyweights yeah um, but with the lighter ones you've got more leg riding and they'd be ready for it and so yeah you know, but you were actually really good for that weight class yeah so i would say any sort of uh weight cutting uh, Luke would probably and Luke not having to do anything a fully realized 215 well fed well well <laughs> well exercised Luke Pena eating is a steak, dangerous man eating steak and cake yeah steak and cake you know it's a new restaurant we're opening up called steak and cake <laughs> um, and it's I, just I, for wrestlers who are trying to pack on pounds right because I remember I mean Luke in, in football was pretty nasty too like yeah. Luke you know was quick and again, tenacious, uh, had this, that strong willpower. So if he didn't have to worry about fatigue, I, I'm, I would easily give this one to Luke. Right. Now Doug's being generous. Now Doug's being generous. I was terrible in football. Doug was a Doug was a good football player. I suck. I like to block. That's the only thing I like doing. I didn't care about defense. I'm like, I like to block. I can stand in the way. <laughs> I can stand in the way. Now I'm like, I'm in the way in every part of my life. I'm like, I don't want to be in the way. It's the only thing I was good at. And Doug started, Doug, start, Doug started both ways on, on football, offense and defense. So, you know, you could, don't give me this. You don't have stamina line. You played the whole damn game. I did. I nice. did have stamina, but I also wasn't like, you know, telling myself I couldn't eat. Don't don't give us the fact that you don't have stamina. You went both ways. Yeah, I did. Yeah. You're welcome. 
All day. Every game. So how are we calling this one then? I'm going to give this one to Luke. Did we say Pena for the win? Pena for the win! For the win! For the win! Are you in agreement? I, I take no I take no joy. <laughs> <laughs> that's Pena for the win. That's Pena for the win. Woo! That's, that's Pena because, for the because win. Doug, because Doug's the kind of, you know, Doug's the, Doug has secret vendettas, I think, right? So he's like, you know, t- 20 years from now, he's going to be like, I remember that time. <laughs> When, sure. when you're on the podcast, when he hears from him, I was going to go, I got a story to tell about you. Remember that time you said you would win in the, yeah. Yeah, turn around, and I'm just right there. <laughs> ah! We For some reason, we're in a virtual, remar- a virtual reality environment. I'm like, let's do this, and we just get into it, you know, big that, time. That's Speaking it. of, real quick, do you remember that time we were playing chess at my brother's place? And like oh you and gosh. I. You remember and- these things. I, I do now that you just brought it up. Yeah, we had an epic, an epic argument <laughs> over computer chess beautiful we were bored out of our minds because my brother went to a, a concert yeah, yeah and we were stuck at his apartment with nothing to do and my friend colby was like so high that he was just passed out on the couch so luke and i were just looking for something to do so we started playing like computer chess and i think and the thing was luke was soundly beating me but at one point he made a move and then took his hand off the mouse. He's like, "Wait, wait, wait, wait! No, 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 no! I, I, I want to move." And I'm like, "We well, can't! You took your hand off." And it, the thing was, uh, I think Luke realized he thought I knew what he did. Like as far as in the game, I had no idea what advantage. He, I'm terrible at chess. You, you just didn't like the fact that his hand came off the mouse. You remember that thing I talked to you about, like losing a friend over, like you know, yeah. you know, you know, the, the, the stuff. I was yeah. just like, "Well, you took your hand. That's the rules." And Luke's right. like, "No, no, no, no! We didn't establish the rules." And I was like, "But those are the rules." And it just turned into this stupid argument. But I remember we had fun with the rest of the night. We took some sort of soda bottle and kind of lit it on fire and melted it. And we're running around <laughs> like a bunch of weirdos. That's never a bad night. That's never a bad night. I remember just grabbing Colby and shaking him saying, the British are coming. He's like, leave me alone. I'm sleeping. <laughs> what, man? Uh, yeah, he was not. I thought I was freaking him out. Yeah. yeah I was just annoying him. So. <laughs> I was good at that. Still am. So, Doug, I give Doug lots of credit. Um, I was always a hothead back in the day, and Doug was always a rational, level-headed person. I'm sure I started that chess. I feel like I feel like uh, you and I would get along really well. Yeah. Like I feel like that's. <laughs> I I am I, I am tell. I am Doug's present Luke. Luke <laughs> I could tell many 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 stories where I was just completely out of line, and rather than meet me where I was. Doug was like, let's talk about this rationally and calmly and brought me back down. to. Well, I appreciate that because I don't remember it that way at all. I'm like, I feel like I fed into that like crazy. So, (laughs) well, that's good. I remember you are the voice of reason. Well, that makes me feel good, man. Thank you for saying that. I appreciate it. So theoretically, the throwdown may never have happened because Doug would have just talked everyone down. (laughs) Come on, man. We don't have to do this. I'm tired, man. I've been cutting. I'm tired. You win. Okay. All right. Well, Luke, thank you so much for taking the time to be on the podcast. We really appreciate it. I know you're a very busy man. Uh, you're taking care of business. Uh, before we go, is there um, <laughs> is there anything you want to promote? Is there anything like show or anything that you got going on that you want people to check out? Do you want people to check out your Snapchat or whatever it is that people do these days? Oh, my gosh. I'm not, I'm not interesting enough to have a Snapchat. Nor I am I. Know. I don't understand I don't it. What it is. I, I, you know, I think I logged on to Instagram once and got lost and <laughs> undid that. Um, oh, gosh. I, I'll, I will promote the beautiful state of New Hampshire. There we go. Beautiful. My, go see New Hampshire. Beautiful, no, no, everybody is sleeping on New Hampshire. It's a lovely place. Come here between the months of May to October. <laughs> What's the state motto of New Hampshire? Yeah. And, and if you're coming between October and May, um, 
I'm sorry. <laughs> is that uh, is is Brattleboro in New Hampshire? I yeah, I've been here seven weeks. I you know. Got God lost. damn it, Luke! I, got, I lost. I got lost in my own backyard last week. So, <laughs> I, don't, I don't recognize this tree. Wait a minute! Oh shit! I'm in the woods. If Brattleboro's in New Hampshire, I might come visit you. There you go. <laughs> Fantastic. So. uh I, I yeah. have no sponsorships, no endorsements, nothing, nothing to promote. I'm not interesting. I'm not doing anything except, um, you know, promoting promoting education while also criticizing it. So hey, that's what you got to do. Man. Also drink Gatorade. Also drink Gatorade. <laughs> also drink fruit punch Gatorade, the most boring flavor there is. <laughs> that's <laughs> awesome. <laughs> uh, guys, uh, I actually have a, an improv show this Friday at uh, the Playground Theater. You can catch Recess at eight o'clock. Playing with some other teams. Tickets are $10. You can find uh, me hanging out there, being a dork. You can also find Mind Gap on po- uh, geez, Mind Gap on Podcast. There Mind Gap is. on Facebook. Uh, look for our page there. We're also on Twitter, at Mind Gap Podcast. And on the internet realms, Justin exists in some digital sense. You can find a website that I own called JustinStrandland.com. <laughs> and then on Twitter and Instagram, you can find me at Justin underscore Michael, spelled M-I-K-E-L. It is the fun way of spelling it. Uh, while you're in the online realm, check us out on iTunes. Subscribe to us. Review us. Uh, just give us give us a little love. Doesn't take too long, and we absolutely adore hearing from you. Mm-hmm. It makes our days. Um, it's educational. Yes, if I you would tell agree. us what you think about it, you're educating us on your thoughts, and so that is education. Thus, continuing the learning process. Exactly. slash uh, mindgap and slash the best bar podcast ever are uh, two podcasts I do. One of which you are listening to currently. The other one happens on Mondays sometimes. <laughs> depending on if we have a guest. Um, and uh, there's some other stuff I could probably say. I don't remember. That's cool. Guys, uh, reach out to us. Let us know what you think. Uh, what was your college experience like? Do you feel, feel like uh, the college cost-to-benefit ratio is up there? Like, What do you think? What do you think they should do? Do you think online courses are the wave of the future? Let us know. We'd love to hear back from have you. Have you taken fluff classes or fluffer classes? <laughs> We've all taken fluffer ca- am classes. I right? Am I right? Am I right for those fancy dick pics? Pornography. All right. Luke, thanks again for being here. We really appreciate having you here. You're a good, you're kind gentleman and generous with your time. We appreciate it. It was a pleasure. Thanks all for having me. Awesome. You guys have a great week. Enjoy your Thursday, and we will see you next week. Remember to never stop learning. Mind Gap Podcast.